I got an email sometime between last night and this morning from our buddy Ethan Book, former Republican candidate. And I really like Ethan a lot, and I appreciate that Ethan does his homework, does a lot of research uh, before he sends stuff my way. Generally, we'll also send links so I can verify where he got the information. But at the very beginning of this particular email, the first thing Ethan pointed out is that the judge in the case of Bob Stefanowski suing the Independent Party is a Democratic judge, which I guess is to suggest that a Democratic judge can't be fair. And I think that's a little bit of your bias coming out. These cases are randomly assigned to judges. Judges are supposed to follow statutes and precedents. This idea of a Democrat or a Republican judge in theory, should make no difference. Most of the time, it's actually a clerk who does all the research and presents to the judge who then makes his ruling. And this is Donald Trump's influence, this idea that someone from one party can't fairly judge somebody from another party. It's an insult to people who do their job professionally every single day. As I've said before, sometimes things go well for your guy and sometimes they don't. We've had Dan Neumeyer on to explain what happened with Bob Stefanowski and the Independent Party. The same people who freaked out about Bernie Sanders not getting the Democratic nomination over Hillary Clinton in 2016 suddenly have a different viewpoint on independent candidates. Once again, I'll point out the lack of consistency in the argument. Judges don't have the discretion to just decide what they want. Yesterday, my mom pointed out everyone's including myself, still talks about Trump way too much, as if he's not the presumptive 2024 presidential nominee for the Republican Party. As long as that guy stays relevant and in the news, we have to talk about him. And there he is at every turn claiming how everyone's being unfair. Enough already. Nobody's buying that, except for a handful of extremists. We all want to get on the same page as a society. We need to, or this democracy of ours is well on its way to failure. At the end of the day, the Independent Party doesn't want Bob Stefanowski on the ballot. They have a lot at stake in this election, too. They're trying to achieve major party status in the state. They're not going to do that with a Republican candidate on top of their ticket. For the sake of our democracy going forward, I wish Bob would drop that lawsuit And maybe concentrate on his campaign, the one where he's getting beaten badly, according to the latest polls, which we'll dive into during the show. Let's stop the nonsense. Let's stop the lawsuits. Let's focus on the people of Connecticut. That said, I find it ridiculous that our incumbent governor is on three ballot lines this year. And I'm especially disappointed in the Monty Frank party because I highly doubt Oz Griebel would be endorsing Ned Lamont. This is about voter choice and not being stuck with the lesser of two evils, but now they're on six different lines instead of two. These candidates are just looking to score some extra easy votes. And that's not how democracy works, does it, Dr. Amy Chai? Oh, no, it doesn't. Oh, my goodness. And, you know, I actually sent out a press release about that, um, how Ned got that 
third ballot line. And I think you had Michelle Bicking in here before. She is the Green Party gubernatorial candidate, wonderful um, principled woman. And that ballot line had actually been promised to her. But Ned Lamont went in behind closed doors and promised that he could deliver ranked choice voting if only they would endorse him instead of giving her the ballot line. <laughs> and guess what? The debate um, that I listened to between Stephanie um, and Dominic for Secretary of State, Stephanie actually let slip that there was not going to be any ranked choice voting. And she's a party girl. She talks a party line. So that was a huge lie that Ned used to get a qualified woman off the ballot so he could steal it from her. So it's not just Bob. No, oh no. It's also Ned. I no, just want to be, no, no, be no, clear no, on that, on it's, that it's Dr. Amy, the, because right, right, I think that's important, especially with this audience. They they get very mad if I only point out that Bob's doing wrong. But, right, but right. Ned's no saint. No, he's just better at it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's just, yeah, it's like Bob was so ham-handed and obvious, and Ned just snuck right in, and he has, you know, he was able to do it a lot sneakier, and hardly anybody knows what Ned did, and hardly anybody knows how he lied and how he got that woman off the ballot. Nobody knows. Well, you do now. Yeah, and that's very disappointing. <sighs> Does it really surprise you, though? No. No. You know what? Do you remember in history class? Did you? T- you took American history like in I high majored school. in history in college. Oh, so, my yeah, goodness. You're talking oh, to the oh, right guy. Oh, Let's do oh my this. goodness. Okay. <laughs> so I just remember in history class, we had this section and it was talking about this. Um, the political machine, it was the, t- the like the title in the book, The Political Machine, it has this little sidebar and all this stuff. And it's talking about something called Tammany Hall mm-hmm. and Teapot Dome or something like that, right? Yep. And when we learned it in history class, it was like, this is how a very corrupt, the most corrupt political machine in the nation, which is so corrupt that it basically made my history textbook and do you remember the name of the man who was the head honcho in this scheme his name was boss something yeah oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah, it was it was boss tweed boss tweed yes and what city in connecticut has named their airport (laughs) after boss tweed Sure, Tweed, New Haven. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Connecticut is the most corrupt, the most corrupt state in the entire nation. It has kept its mafia roots. It has kept its political machine roots. Rosa DeLauro is a vestige of that time. But the corruption here in Connecticut is so deep it's so deep. And I have some defectors from the Democrat Party who have told me some things. And I, I'm not going to be actually at liberty to disclose all of them. But um, I can tell you about one of the things. Um, all right. 
before you do, okay. I'm just going to take a, <laughs> in the radio business, we call this a tease, you know? Oh, okay. Uh, so we're, we got to take a quick break here. Okay. But uh, when we come back, Dr. Amy Chai with her first reveal of the day. Joined in studio here by Dr. Amy Chai, independent candidate for the third district. And you were just before the break mentioning that you've come across some stuff. You just I said have. Connecticut is one of the, maybe the most corrupt state in the union. Yes, it and really is. So, so I know you can't get into too many details about some of this stuff, but what kinds of things can you tell us? Okay. Well, there's one thing that I have actually spoken about before, and I was actually on uh, Paul Bass's show that, and with the Independent, and I did bring up the issue of registrars, voting registrars, going in and harvesting ballots out of um, nursing homes and senior centers. And um, allegedly, um, there are persons who don't really have the capacity to vote that are, quote unquote, assisted to vote and Hmm. in ways that might be, you know, you know, when they say like fraud, it's very there's once you're past the ballot point, there's no fraud because the ballots are legit. Okay, but before you know, as you're filling out the ballots or the way you get the ballots or the way you manage it or the way you quote unquote get out the vote um, can be incredibly shady. And um, should the registrars really be inside the nursing homes? I I think that's a problem, especially when the registrars are in the tank for a certain party. I think that's very inappropriate. Um. And as far as campaigning, for me, um, when I do send out press releases, um, they aren't covered. And one of the reasons is that like nine out of 10 of the emails that I send out go to the same email address, and it's to Hearst Media. And Hearst Media is the company that had puff pieces written about Rosa prior to the election that were clearly electioneering as electioneering that basically one the first line out of it was if the world would be a better place if every one of Rosa Dolores policies was enacted wow and i and i was like wow really <laughs> And so, who knew? <laughs> yeah, who knew we were this close to utopia? Huh? I know. We should just put Rosa Deloro in charge of everything but schools. It and, seems and like. And this is our <laughs> this is our media, and these are the people that won't cover my press releases or print my press releases. The League of Women Voters, Democrat, um, they made excuses for why Rosa Deloro wouldn't debate and. I'm not sure if they were lying to cover her or if she had lied to them, uh, but it was completely false. She said she was not going to be in the state of Connecticut through most of October. She was at every event that I was at. She could have easily debated, but she absolutely refused. And League of Women Voters um, covered for her and stonewalled me. So did NPR. And... and if they think that democracy is shutting down the voices of the people, mm-hmm. well, 
they keep saying that oh republicans are the are going to destroy democracy vote democrat or you'll destroy democracy it's like that's such you know i do horse know hockey because they <laughs> have already destroyed democracy do we actually have democracy no we have an oligarchy look at rosa look at who funds rosa okay um her you know she gets public sector union funding. She favors what they want her to do over the welfare of the children of the state every time. She gets tens of thousands of dollars from from the military industrial complex, which is why she is sending billions and billions of your tax dollars into their pockets to fund the war in Ukraine. Um, the shadiness goes down really deep. And it's not just with the policies, it's with shutting down any possibility of outside voices coming against them. Anyone who votes for any Democrat in this election is voting for the mafia, basically. Um, oddly enough, uh, your other opponent in this race... Dr. Leslie Donardis, who yes. I was able to contact because of you and Michelle Botello, by the way. That's that's how fair and interested in, in these these two are in this being a free and fair election. I said, I really would like to speak with Leslie Donardis, and you guys got me her info. We had Leslie on here, and Leslie pointed out when I was like, hey, where we can't find Rosa. She's like, oh, no, Rosa's around. Rosa's like going like one one house at a time. She's not doing the media stuff, and she's not debating, but she is in New Haven, and she's not looking to engage. Right. Because she has a lot of explaining to do, and she can't. The other—Dan brought this up last week, Dan Newmeyer. I mean, the Democrats have been running this state for the most part for 40 years. Badly. Right? They've been running it badly. Fair enough. Yeah. But— Will four more years of Democrats destroy Connecticut? No. It, right. It I won't. mean, it we, won't change. Nothing will change. Right. Yeah. It'll be the same old, same old. In in four years' time, can the Republicans completely destroy Connecticut? Probably not. Much like with Donald Trump, as bad as I think he did, and I heard from someone, we'll never, we'll never get the country back on track. Eh, we have. I don't think one person uh, can, can destroy, but again, I think people do need to be aware of... And we've talked about this a bunch, Amy. The the it's the same old, same old. And right. if if you're going to sit there and complain every election, stop voting for the the two, actually it is the two major parties. Um, it's the two major parties are both. I mean, I would favor the Republicans over the Democrats. I would vote for anyone who is not in the current position of control in Connecticut because the depth of the corruption is so extreme. Um, but. Of all the candidates, um, the people that I respect the most are all third-party candidates because they're not corrupt and they're not just using, you know, getting the money is where the problem starts and, and, and it's actually where the problem ends too because we've lost our democracy to two unelected groups called the two major parties. These two unelected groups control the candidates 
control the access to the ballots, control who gets on the ballots, control the news media, control what you hear about the people on the ballots, prevent people who have like an IQ above a clam from actually speaking and from actually getting the vote out unless you're like a multi multi-millionaire, which, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I'm not, you know, I'm not independently wealthy. And my husband was like, oh, you're not going to fund our retirement fund. <laughs> so, you know, we do what we can do. I got a question about the ballot harvesting. We're talking to Dr. Amy Chai, independent candidate, third congressional district. When somebody goes out and harvests ballots like that, um, is it is is that is there anything similar to where uh, you know if you don't have an ID you have to sign a legal affidavit that you're voting if you're going out and harvesting ballots do you have to sign something that oh, you, you got have those to, ballots you have to sign the ballot I mean the ballots are legal there's nothing wrong with right the oh I understand that but yeah. do you have to also I mean are you signing an affidavit that you went there and that they willingly signed and 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 asked you to turn their ballot in oh I don't know. Because if not, right, that should be that should be the first thing on there. Right. It should be. And and I think, you know, the the influence of like private. I think one of the big issues that was in the 2020 election that people are are upset about is the use of private money to get ballots harvested from areas that had more of a certain party than another. And all those ballots are legal, and I don't even think that that's actually illegal. Um, But it it is influencing the election by how much money you have, and and it's very hard to actually get out the vote unless you have, like, lots of money to get people out there. And if you're not a person with money, you can't really do that. We've talked about early voting, haven't we, you and I? Um, we did talk about it when Cynthia was here a little bit. Okay. Where do you stand on early voting? I think there can be a little bit of early voting, maybe up to a week. Okay. I think like a month of early voting is way too much. I think that's much. too much. That's I way do. too much. I agree. I, my proposal was Friday to Tuesday. Oh, that, that would be very reasonable. I think if you can't in those five days find any time to go vote, I don't think you care that much, I'll right, be honest. Right, right. I mean, I have had one or two elections, um, maybe not big elections, but one or two elections where, you know, I have to get into work, like, at 6, and a lot of times I don't get out till like, 8 or 9 at night. And it's like when you're a physician, your hours are insane. And sometimes you literally physically can't Mm -hmm. do it. And I've had a couple times where that happened to me. Um, So I get it. I know, you know, it's really hard to do sometimes for some people who work really long hours. Um, But like a month? No, no. Georgia started theirs a couple days ago. And they've received over 238,000 early votes already. And they're going all the way to October. It's like a three-week time span. It's a bigger state, I think a lot more rural areas, yeah. and, and it seems to work for them. And it also seems to spit in the face of the Biden administration referring to Georgia's voting laws as Jim Crow 2.0, is like record amounts of people have made their way out so far to right. vote. Yeah, and uh, the other thing is there's all, there's a lot of things that can happen in a month that might change your mind. Mm-hmm. Unless you're just a hardcore partisan. Right. And a lot of people are, yes. to be honest. Um, that, you know, certainly if you're an independent like myself, you want to 
to listen to all the debates. You want to argue. You want to reason. You want to actually think about what you're voting for. And so, you know, making, solidifying your choice sometimes, you know, takes some time. Mm -hmm. I want to pick that up in a minute, uh, the idea of the, the partisan vote. Because, I mean, I mean, let's be honest, most of the time the Republican candidate gets about 90% of the Republican vote and the Democrat gets about 90% of the Democratic vote, yeah. right? I mean, mm -hmm. we know that. That's what the latest polls are reflecting right now. Mm -hmm. My in-studio guest is Dr. Amy Chai, independent candidate in the 3rd Congressional District. And we were just talking about partisan voting and the idea of early voting. I mentioned Georgia opened theirs up um, last Thursday, I believe, or Wednesday it was, and they've already seen record amounts of people coming out. Now, as you just said, a lot can happen in a couple of weeks' time. You want to make sure that your candidate, right, uh, makes it all the way to the finish line. As I'm looking at the latest polls, and again, uh, it's once again showing Lamont crushing Stefanowski, uh, another double-digit lead here, but Stefanowski with Republicans, 88% of men, 89% of women. No yeah. shocker there. For Ned Lamont, 90% of Democratic men, 97% of Democratic women, right? right? I think by the time it's all said and done, they're going to both settle in right around the 90% mark. And those people that are registered Democrat and Republican are actually a minority in the state of Connecticut. Mm -hmm. They sure are. Those unaffiliated voters who... Um, there, there's actually, uh, I'm going to do this story a little bit later on this morning, but in Palm Beach, there has been an incredible surge of non-affiliated voters, mostly leaving the Democratic Party. They still greatly outnumber Republicans, so it's still going to be a close race. But as I just said to you in the break, you know, I know a lot of people who would love to vote for a Dr. Aaron Lewis or a Rob Hoytling, but they're afraid that if, God forbid, they didn't vote for Ned Lamont and they voted for the candidate of their choice, like I did in 2018 with Oz Griebel, that that's taken a vote away and that if, God forbid, Ned would lose, they would feel responsible for it or like they threw their vote away. And I find that to be one of the dumbest things <laughs> that anyone's ever said to me. And I hear it a lot. I hear it all the time. Yeah. And you're not responsible for the candidate not running a good enough campaign. If right. they didn't earn your vote, that's not on you. Right. It isn't. And I and that's why ranked choice voting is so important um, to give people the freedom to vote for who they actually want to vote for instead of like whatever gets, you know, thrown at them by the parties. The parties don't care about you they care about maintaining their own power it's an oligarchy out there people it's these parties are owned by they're owned by media companies they're owned by um corporations they're owned by financial interests they're owned by special interests and they do what their donors want them to do full stop they don't care about you both sides do it both sides do it and um, the only people who, you know, I, as a point of principle, I will never accept money from a PAC. And, and that's because you're beholden to those people. As soon as you accept their money, 
You're beholden to them. Right. They're not just giving you that money because they think you're swell. They're giving you that money because they expect that with that money you're going to do the things that they're asking you to do. They expect something in return. And it's like when someone gives sexual favors for money, we call it prostitution. But (laughs) when people give political favors for money... You know, I guess we call it politics. It's weird because you're getting screwed either way, right? (laughs) I mean, you are, but you're getting screwed in a really bad way. You know, it's like um, you might as well have (laughs) a good time, right? (laughs) No, that that, I'm. It's it's terrible, and the people who are actually getting the short end of the stick, the people who are actually not getting representation while they are getting taxation, is you and me. And, oh, that brings me to the point. I've just gotten the endorsement of the Connecticut Taxpayers Union. Excellent. There you go. I'm really proud. Um, One of the things that got me this endorsement was because, of course, I want to represent the taxpayer, not the parties. Okay. But the other reason is that um, my idea to eliminate the self-employment tax to help out the small guy who's, who's trying to get by. Um, so those two things um, are very popular with the Connecticut Taxpayers Union. Yeah, people like that better than when you know we cut the taxes of the uber wealthy. Yeah, I mean, it's ordinary people. And actually, as a physician, I'm like at the higher end of the income scale, and I realize that. But I'm struggling too. You know, mm-hmm. I have to support my parents. You know, I I have to give them a place to live. I have to get and their oil and their their groceries, everything. It's it's hard. It's hard. And I'm wealthy compared to most people. Yeah. This state is definitely pushing the limits of affordability for the middle class. I don't know how the working poor of this state are able to I really don't. Yeah. It's it's gotta be extremely difficult. Yeah, I can't imagine it. I have spoken and here's the thing. I've spoken, I did a two-hour question and answer town hall with the Ultra MAGA people. They loved me for the most part. They didn't agree with 100% everything, but they were like, yeah, we like what you're saying. Guess what? I also have spoken to BLM, telling them exactly the same thing. Guess what? They said, we like your ideas. We don't agree with everything you say, but we like your ideas. I talked to the LGBTQ groups at the fairs, young kids mostly, and I said, like, what's on your mind? You know what's on their mind? They can't afford to, their apartments. They can't afford to live. And it's like, they're like, yeah, we, we're, ha- we're struggling. We can't even get by. And so uh, all the people from left to right are fighting each other. It's like, hey, look, there's a squirrel. Why don't you fight the people who are really causing you the problem, which is the two-party system? Mm -hmm. And so I've spoken to the farthest of the right, the farthest of the left. I have actually, I went out to a war protest um, against sending more billions and billions of dollars of weapons to the Ukraine. Talked to some people who were saying, you know, the Democrats just aren't, aren't progressive anymore. They're all bought by special interests and we like you. And then, so I talked to them for a while. They're like, yeah, we like you. We like your ideas. I walked right over to the Republican tent, started talking to them. They're like, yeah, I totally agree. I like what you said. It's like, hey, are we onto something? Are we really onto something? Um, Does it frustrate you when people agree with you 
and you still feel like they're probably still going to vote the same way, though. They are. Why? Because you know what they say? They say, you're really stopping any chance that the Republicans have <laughs> yes. getting Rosa DeLora out of office. Right. And I'm like, oh, please. You know, I've I've worked on my campaign for two years. I could have run as a Republican if I'd wanted to, but I refused to change my party because I don't want to represent a party. I want to represent people. And then Ben Proto said, well, you know, we're going to have to put somebody on the ballot. And I said, uh, yeah, I get it. But I thought I'd just ask. <laughs> well, it's funny. I mean, in reality, it's actually and no disrespect to uh, Dr. Denardis, who yeah, again, she's I, a great person. There's nothing right, wrong with Leslie. But in, in, in effect, they're the ones who are probably going to cause a split vote with people who aren't happy with Rosa. Right. Between you and Dr. Denardis. And that could propel her to victory. So that Correct. was kind of short-sighted on, on Ben's part. It was. And I knew he wouldn't endorse me unless I ran as Republican. But I just thought, let me just ask. Because I knew that they wanted to get rid of Rosa. So I thought, well, I'll just ask. Maybe he'll endorse me. And he said, I'll endorse you if you change parties. And I was like, no. And then he said, you know, we'll have to put someone on the ballot. And I said, I get it. Uh, and I do. I get it. I, they, they want somebody on their ballot line. I totally get that. Um, but, you know, I've put everything in, into this race for the past two years. I've put everything into it. And um, Rose is a tough candidate to beat because she owns CT3. But I'm also kind of a dark horse because I can talk to people on both sides and they both like what they hear. So I can split the Democrats as well as the Republicans. She definitely behaves like she owns District 3. She, yeah, she's, you know what she did at the fairs? This is unbelievable. Um, so I was walking, as you know, I'm, a, I'm an addiction medicine physician. So I like to seek out the people who are having booths about addiction and fentanyl and how we're going to get rid of fentanyl and how we're going to get rid of drug abuse. And so I was up there talking and I see these guys in suits, like, behind me. And I look around, and they're, like, on their cell phones. And within, like, a minute, Rosa swoops in, goes up, and starts hugging the person in the booth. And I'm just left standing there, like, it's <laughs> like, what the heck, Rosa? Power move. <laughs> I was talking to these people, and she just comes in, and she just, like, basically, you know, ha, 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 Dr. Chai, I'm Rosa. I will take you. Does she does she greet you as she swoops in or no? No, I've actually come up. I, I greeted her when she first didn't know who I was, you know, gave her a hug, said hi. You know, I just wanted to know to let you know that, you know, we want to have a good race. I'm running against you. And she just sort of backed away kind of like a deer in the headlights and said, well, that's your constitutional right. And then she didn't talk to me anymore. And I'm like, that wasn't kind of the convo I was going for. What an for. interesting fact to throw out there. But yeah, but <laughs> but the fact is that I'm at least twice her size, and if I wear heels, I'm probably three times her size. Yeah. She's, she's like a tiny little thing, and so I I don't know. Maybe I was overly friendly. Maybe she felt intimidated. That's possible. Yeah, could be. Could be. I could see where that could happen. You are you are a very tall person. I am tall. Yeah, and imposing, and you're very intelligent, and that is that could be a little intimidating for some people. Not for me. Not for you. For some people. Not for you. No, no. <laughs> but, 
But yeah, so so she's been fighting hard. She she commandeered North Haven, which is where I live. She commandeered North Haven, put all of the community agencies in North Haven and had a fair right there just a couple blocks from my home because she could, Mm because she could. She knew that I had no way to do that, not even with all the money that I could possibly get. I still couldn't have made that happen, but she made it happen and she did it like basically in my face. Um, So that was rude. And then she goes out to all the nursing homes. She goes out to all the senior centers and does all her photo ops there where she's talking to the seniors. And then I call and say, can I come in and speak with the seniors? And they say, no. No. I mean, again, that's you're not, you're not doing a service to anybody by shutting out other candidates. Like, I know. Why, you know, why? I mean, if you're in a nursing home, and I've done work in nursing homes. I recently um, helped a Wadsworth put a presentation on at a nursing home in, in Farmington. And you know, like thirty residents came to watch this uh, presentation on art pieces that are on display at the Wadsworth. And I thought oh, these people are—they come out for anything. You know what I mean? You could put like, <laughs> yeah, they, they're coming out. They're coming out. And yeah. so, right? Why? Why? What would it hurt anybody to hear what another candidate has to say? Well, I think that probably there's unionized employees involved. Mm-hmm. And they'll do whatever they can do to keep me away from the people that are under their care. And believe me, um, we have tried every single facility in the entire third district, and everyone has been a hard no. That's crazy. Yeah, and I could talk to them about anything. I mean, I'm a physician. I treat complex care. I could talk to them about anything they wanted to know. And about what my policies would be for them. But no, just hard no. I can't get into them. Spend some time with Dr. Amy Chai, independent third district candidate. And we're talking a lot about Rosa DeLauro. And, and you've got a pretty good sense of humor, too, Dr. Chai. Um, I kind of do. You definitely do. <laughs> and so, you know, Halloween is six days away. And you're in the middle of a race with somebody who uh, doesn't necessarily want to talk to you and, and, and debate out these issues. And so uh, you you did something fun yesterday. You want to I, tell us a little bit about that? <laughs> I did. And, you know, because she can't defend her record or refuses to, re- to defend her record and has, um, you know, suppressed me at every point, the gloves are off now, but in a fun sort of way, a fun sort of way, um, I did a little something and I call it Naughty Rosa and... <laughs> Tell us a little bit about Naughty Rosa. <laughs> Naughty Rosa um, looks, well, Naughty Rosa wears stripper heels and, you know, fishnets. And she kind of looks like Rosa DeLauro. She has some purple hair and big glasses. And um, she just does a little Naughty Rosa routine with handcuffs. Now, where, where if somebody were curious to learn more about Naughty Rosa, where could they go to see this? Well, they'd have to go onto Twitter, and they'd have to follow me at DocChai2022 is my handle. Um, it's at DocChai2022 if you want to see Naughty Rosa. But, you know, um, after further consideration, I made it slightly less naughty um, because I thought, you know, I'm trying to keep it, trying to keep it, you know, yeah, appropriate. 
Yeah, yeah. You're a professional. I'm a professional. You're a professional. It's I, just for fun. It's just it for is fun. for fun. And we all dress a little off on Halloween. Absolutely. Some of us only do it on Halloween. Yeah, and actually, in my office, I'll often wear like stripper heels, but I'll wear like fangs or like a black dress with fangs. You know, it's fun. It's Halloween. You know. Yeah. People should enjoy themselves a little bit. I, I like. I like. Ha- it's kind of fun. Halloween is fun. Yeah, I like candy. I like Reese's. What's your favorite candy? A uh, Reese's. <laughs> well, yeah, it's not even. Oh close. my gosh, we have something else in common. Yeah, cannot beat it. We spent some time here yesterday actually talking about the best and worst candy, like Necco wafers. Oh, Necco wafers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was telling people, just don't waste your money on those. Nobody wants I that know. stuff. I know. My mother loves Necco wafers. I guess it's kind of like one of those things from the past. That it, she, yeah, it yeah. is. Before candy got good, there was candy. Right. And, and And just like Democrats or Republicans... You don't have to be stuck with the same old, same old when there's Reese's peanut butter cups right, to be had. Right, absolutely. Uh, 203-333-9422. Uh, Tom in Norwalk, you're on with Dr. Chai. Dr. Chai, I like what you say. Uh, as far as the candy goes, you better watch it. You might get fentanyl and die. <laughs> but, oh, that's but, true. Uh, you, know, you know, you're in a heart country, dear. You're in the heart of Connecticut, Connecticut Communist Party. You're in the heart of it. And these people are read up on Saul Alinsky tactics. And those tactics are being used on you. They're, they're thugs. They're very rude. They're thuggish. And uh, they're in your face. And the sooner you realize that, I think like that, you don't deal with that type of thing. I mean, you don't, you don't uh, think to deal like that type of thing, but that's what you're dealing with. Yes, I was just, yeah, there, I actually was thinking, you know, if I'd had a camera crew for the past six months, I would have an awesome, awesome documentary that would be shocking. Yeah, it's, it's, well, you were saying that when you first got here and some of what you're saying is, it's a little bit shocking because not that I'm, I'm shocked to hear it, but just. That it really is happening, especially with all the attention on elections. And we've talked about this a whole bunch, right? One side wants voter integrity. The other side's talking about voter access. Nobody's talking about the combination of the two. Right. And there's a reason for that. And the other big thing that, uh, you know, you, you talked about you don't take money from PACs. And we've talked about all these super PACs, the dark money, Citizens United being overturned, and this idea, right, that corporations can just pump money in to these different PACs. And the PACs are supposed to be separate from the candidates. They're supposed to be. Well, yeah. It's, and, it's and a yes, joke. Somehow, it's a joke. Right. Well, Dr. Amy, yeah. they, they, like, the campaign will come out with an ad, and the PAC will come out with an ad, and they're pretty similar. And then you find out the same agency created both. And we're supposed to believe there was no coordination, as by law there's not supposed to be. We're supposed to believe that just came out coincidentally. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, the money just flows so freely inside the Beltway. And and it's used to buy access to the politicians. And it's used to buy policy that goes against 
my interests and your interests and our interests as people. We are literally being taxed without representation, and that's tyranny. That's what's going on in the United States today. Now, you said win, lose, or draw on November 8th, that starting on the 9th, you intend to fix New Haven's education system. Yes, I do. What are you going to do? I have a team of concerned parents from New Haven. Um, I have a group. There's um, some men who want to bring fathers into New Haven, um, increase the influence of men in New Haven. Um, I have um, moms who want children to be able to read. I have groups who are concerned about um, psychological traumas uh, for the kids and how certain disciplinary processes actually push. You know, when kids are upset, they're hurting, they act out or they act out in what we call behaviors in the medical field. And those behaviors aren't badness. Those behaviors are responses to traumatic things that are going on in their mind, heart, and home. And so when you punish these behaviors in your typical expulsion type of ways, instead of loving that child, instead of helping that child through their trauma, you're pushing that child out onto the street, you're pushing them to the dealers, you're pushing them to fentanyl, death, crime, and gangs. That's exactly what you're doing. And the people who are in charge in New Haven don't care. And they can't think outside the box. They won't think outside the box. And we can't wait for government to solve our problems. And I've been in communication with a lot of people in New Haven City about these very issues. I went to the Culturally Lit Lit Fest um, last Saturday. Um, People are really advocating for, uh, for their right to learn and to read and to be successful. They realize what they're up against, and so do I. Yeah, it's uh, it's a pretty big hole that they find themselves in, and it, it's good that they've got somebody like you uh, who's going to go ahead and fix this because, as you said, government's not going to fix the problem. They've had a long time to fix it and have done nothing. Yeah, Rosa has had 32 years to fix this, and it's only gotten worse. And then the Republicans say, oh, crime, crime, crime. Well, where do you think the crime comes from? Mm-hmm. How can we stop the crime? By locking people up? No. By preventing it, by loving children, by teaching children, by creating the next generation that isn't criminals. Yeah. That's how we do it. Dr. Amy Chai, appreciate this hour of your time. You're it's so, so interesting. And, and uh, give, give everybody the website. Where can they support the campaign? It's DocChai2022.com. Now, welcome back to ICC, Lieutenant Governor Susan Bysowitz. Lieutenant Governor, thanks for making some time for us today. Good afternoon. Thanks so much for having me. 14 it, days away how from ex- Election Day. Very exciting. This is uh, Things are really starting to heat up. Uh, another Quinnipiac poll came out. Uh, Economy is still top concern for most people, but the polls show that Lamont Bysowitz has a double-digit lead again. It seems that uh, the economy is a bigger concern for Republican voters than it is for Democrats. That's according to the polling. The fact that you guys have such a large lead would suggest to me that more people are happy with the current state of and the direction that the economy is headed in. What are your thoughts? 
Well, the only poll that matters is the one that happens at 801 <laughs> on election Fair. Uh, night when when the voting is done. Uh, but I do think that we uh, have a lot of support because we put our state on a very sound fiscal path. We've had four balanced budgets without raising taxes. We have, in fact, passed the biggest tax cut of $600 million plus million for the families that need it the most. And we've paid down $5.4 billion of our pension debt. Uh, and so I think that people are responding to the fact that we have really done, I think, uh, a very good job when it comes to our state budget. And the good thing about paying down that $5.4 billion of debt that I mentioned is that will continue to save us Mm -hmm. um, more than $450 million a year for the next 20 years. So uh, we're we're proud of... um, what we've done so far, but we're just getting started, and we'd love the opportunity to continue. We're talking to Lieutenant Governor Susan Bicewitz. I'm glad you said that because I was saying before, you know, you need a sort of a short-term fix because we are facing high inflation, but you also have to, right, plan for the future. I think you guys did a pretty good job of that in your first term. Again, as you spoke, paying down $5.4 billion. That That pension thing has been something that's kind of been looming for some time And again, for the long-term fiscal health of this state, like we had to get a handle on that. So kudos on that. That said, this state is becoming slightly less affordable, especially for the poor people of Connecticut. Home heating prices are on the rise. Uh, I've seen now where some of the oil companies are rationing their oil. I know Connecticut got $20 million in heating assistance. If you could maybe tell people how they could apply for that. Uh, And then just some other thoughts for we're heading into winter. The inflation is still really high. What can people do or what can you guys do for these folks to make sure everybody survives this winter? Yeah. So Operation Fuel was set up in the late 1970s by Governor Ella Grasso. So that is to ensure that nobody has to worry about being cold uh, in their homes in the wintertime. So that is a great resource. And, you know, what you're talking about is really this global phenomena of inflation that, you know, our administration didn't start, but it's everybody, everybody is feeling it. So we have done some things to uh, impact affordability. Uh, And that includes uh, the uh, property tax credit, uh, capping the mill rate on motor vehicles, capping insulin costs, which is a big deal because, unfortunately, so many people have diabetes. The gas tax cut is going to last through November 30th. Free buses are available across the state for our uh, state transit system through November 30th, um, and we've had lower cost health care through Access Health, um, and we were able to pass this past year debt-free community college. So 
Uh, we've done some good things, and I do want to say about seniors, for the benefit of seniors, um, our budget that I spoke about uh, and the tax cuts eliminated income tax on annuities, pensions, and Social Security for most senior households. So that's a really, I think, important thing for folks. Yeah. Uh, also, I think uh, uh, Social Security. I think it, uh, they increased it by seven percent. The payouts, if I if I'm correct, I think I read that just in the in the past week. I realize that's a federal thing, but again, more good news for seniors. Uh, Lieutenant Governor Susan Bice, which you just mentioned inflation and that you guys are dealing with inflation. I pointed out earlier this morning that inflation's not just a Connecticut problem. It's not just a United States problem. It is a global problem. Everybody around the globe is dealing with this high inflation. There's a variety of reasons and things that are contributing to the high inflation. And I think it's important for people to understand that, that this is not like a Connecticut thing. This is not Joe Biden's fault or Ned Lamont's fault. I think that that is right. Um, And I would just add that some of the global disruptions like Putin's invasion of the Ukraine and Russians dealing with Saudi Arabia have contributed to rising uh, gas and oil prices across the globe. And that was one of the reasons why we pointed out that or it was pointed out in the media and we've been trying to highlight this that bob stefanowski uh, got 36 million dollars from the saudi arabian government and the saudi arabian government in addition to being a human rights nightmare um, is deliberately trying to keep gas prices and oil prices really high so You know, I think there's been a transparency problem with Bob Stefanowski's campaign. And, you know, uh, you got to wonder about someone who's taking money from a government regime that's trying to raise oil prices that hurts everyone across the globe. You know, you were asked something the other day. I saw it and I thought your answer was brilliant. And I have a ton of respect for what you said. In light of Bob getting all this money from the Saudis, it was revealed that the state of Connecticut has $22 million invested in Saudi Arabia. And you were asked if we should remove that money and reinvest it elsewhere. And I love the consistency, right? If you're going to scold Bob for it, you said, yes, we should reinvest that money elsewhere. I think it's worth taking a look at. Uh, We have um, multiple billion-dollar pension funds. So the amount we have invested in Saudi Arabian companies is about $22 and that's a small amount. But, you know, I think our investments should reflect our values. And given the Saudis' treatment of women, human rights violations, uh, their efforts to fix the price of gas and oil, I think a lot of people in our state would want to see us move in a different direction. I got to tell you, I, I I like a consistent politician, somebody who sees it. That's that's my kind of thing. On the line with Lieutenant Governor Susan Bysowitz. Lieutenant Governor, we really appreciate your time and, and coming on and talking to the audience and sort of filling them in on, them in on, on what's going on. As you mentioned, we are two weeks away 
uh, from the only poll that really does matter, that being uh, November 8th. Now, uh, education numbers for third and eighth grade reading and math levels are really bad in New Haven. They're pretty low in Bridgeport. They're pretty low in Hartford. Nationally, I know, obviously, with the pandemic, we've seen a big dip nationwide. Overall, Connecticut is above average as far as as where they fell. But a lot of kids did fall behind during the pandemic. What can we do going forward, Lieutenant Governor Bysiewicz, to fix this issue? So I do want to say that Connecticut recently was rated fourth in the nation in terms of our schools, and we're proud of that. But it's also the case that our students lost when we were in hybrid and online only learning because nothing can substitute uh, for direct interaction with teachers and, and other students. So one of the things that we've done starting during the pandemic, and we're going to keep it going um, go in the future, is to have summer school learning opportunities for kids who uh, need it and for families that would like that. So as an example, uh, this past summer, uh, schools were open in New London um, from 6 in the morning till 6 at night. So children could catch up on math and reading skills, but also uh, have fun summer learning and recreational opportunities as well. We've had summer enrichment uh, programs throughout the pandemic so that kids could catch up. Uh, And we also had things like free admission to museums and to uh, aquariums and cultural destinations so that kids could be learning with their families uh, during the summer as well. I got to so tell still you, have a lot of work to do. Yeah. That's and I really appreciated that. Um, my kids and I took advantage of that uh, and, and, and got go? out there. Did you go to Mystic Seaport? Uh, or, of course we went to um, Mystic Seaport. The Norwalk Aquarium. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, we went to Mystic Seaport. I think we went there twice. And then uh, we also went to, uh, what's the one in West Hartford? I can't think of the name of the place. Totally the, slipping. The, children, the Science Museum. Yeah, yes. And, and and I actually also just bought my kids. They had, they've had they had such a fun time with that hands-on learning. We, we signed up for um, a year-long membership to the Connecticut Science Center, which, uh, you know, three visits. It's already, An amazing place. It's already paid for itself uh, at this point. My kids love it. They call it the Science Lab, which I think is hilarious, but... Uh, we're talking to Lieutenant Governor Susan like Bice. Yeah, isn't that cute? My son's like, hey, can we go to the science lab? Um, I love it. I yeah. love it. So uh, women's rights are very much top of mind, especially for Democrats here. It's about more than just choice, right? There's a lot of factors at play when it, we talk about women's rights, including economic ones. They're, they're all at play here. Can you sort of speak to the importance of a woman's right to choose beyond just the obvious having a baby or not having a baby? Well, it's, it's so clear that a woman's future and her, especially her economic future, is dependent on her deciding when to have a baby or not. 
um, because literally uh, your career, your profession, your security for your family depends on whether or not uh, you can work. And uh, that's why a woman's bodily autonomy is so very important. And for almost 50 years, women have had that right enshrined in our United States Constitution. And all of that came crashing down uh, on June 24th when the Supreme Court made their decision in the Dobbs case. And it's not just women's rights or reproductive rights that are at stake. The Dobbs decision was very clear that now marriage equality, uh, gun safety, contraception, so many, um, the right to interracial marriage, uh, longstanding rights in our constitutional law are now going to be in question, if not now, like gun rights. Governor Lamont and I have been sued, the state of Connecticut has been sued by an NRA-type NRA organization because of another uh, gun case, the Bruin case, mm-hmm. uh, that was decided by the Supreme Court. So uh, our civil rights are on the ballot in November. You know, uh, Lieutenant Governor Beiswitz, I, I, I talk about this a lot, this idea of rights being taken away. And generally when rights are taken away, getting them back is really hard. And if we think historically speaking, most of these rights that were gained were fought for people, died for them. I don't like how callous some people are with the idea. Like I know people are against abortion, but losing that right. To me, I look bigger picture and I'm thinking we shouldn't be cheering on any group, any person losing any rights in this country because we don't have a ton of them. And the ones we do have, I think, are very precious. Absolutely. And the arc of our country's history up until June 24th, I would say we were moving in the direction of expanding individual rights not contracting them. And we have sadly seen a very sharp and strong contraction of individual rights. And you see other states acting immediately to take away reproductive rights from women. Uh, And I want to highlight why this election is so important, because you have some people saying, oh, we're just fine in Connecticut. We're fine because we have a Roe versus Wade law. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you why we're not fine. We are not fine because in every legislative session, legislators will put in bills to try to cut back on that Roe versus Wade law or to repeal it altogether. Uh, And that's why... This election matters for uh, legislators, both at the state and the federal level, because at the federal level down in Congress right now, uh, Senator Lindsey Graham has introduced a national abortion ban after 15 weeks. And, you know, there we see a march toward a contraction 
of women's rights. And the governor and I have been so clear that we will stand up and we will defend our Roe versus Wade law at the state level against any attack. We have passed a safe harbor law in our state that expands access to health care for women, not just in our state, but, but women who need critical care can come to Connecticut from outside of our state where that care may be illegal. So we've been extremely clear where we stand, and we want the people of Connecticut to know that we are defenders of women's reproductive uh, freedom. Our attorney, from our attorney general to uh, other folks who are running for statewide constitutional office, they have been very uh, clear about where they stand. And I think it's important for voters to know where we stand. Agreed. We are talking to Lieutenant Governor Susan Bysowitz. My last question. Crime is down overall. It's been on a a decade-long decline. Violent crimes we've seen are up. Domestic violence calls are way up. The mental health crisis, to me, is driving a lot of this. I'm pretty sure I saw somewhere where uh, I think you guys put 50 or 100 billion into the mental health crisis. Am I right about that number? Yes, two hundred million into oh, wow. into youth mental health uh, because mental health was a problem prior to the pandemic. Mm-hmm. But like so many issues, uh, the focus and the spotlight uh, was put on to this issue because uh, people were isolated, people were under incredible stress. Families who were under stress because of, you know, people losing jobs, um, parents having to try to help their kids with online learning while working from home. They were folks were isolated. And so uh, we did have uh, a mental uh, health crisis. And one of the things that the governor and I are very proud of is the two hundred million dollar comprehensive uh, mental health bill that was passed uh, to help with this crisis, to create mobile crisis units, uh, because kids can't just sit um, in hospital waiting rooms when they're in crisis. And also, we need more social workers in schools and more health professional, mental health professionals in schools to help kids that are undergoing mental health issues. Um, and this this law is now being copied all over the country as a, as a model because it was just so well done. Representative Tammy Exum was one of the uh, leaders of this initiative, and it just really, I think, is going to make a big, big difference for families across our state. Last thing I want to ask you about, you probably heard the news when you were waiting on hold. The police accountability bill, uh, Bob Stefanowski Mm -hmm. was suggesting that it's making our state less safe. Uh, I I do know this. We've got less police officers and less people applying to become police officers in the state of Connecticut. Can you talk just real briefly about the police accountability bill? Does it make the state less safe? I I think not. Connecticut remains one of the safest states uh, in the country, and violent crime has been down 9% over the past two years. But to your question about the the police accountability bill, 
that bill was written with law enforcement and stakeholders as part of uh, the process. And 99.9% of our law enforcement officers are great public servants. They do the right thing. And uh, I think the police uh, are facing the same hiring challenges that every other sector of our economy, whether it's manufacturing, retail, uh, IT, uh, you name it, there's, there are hiring um, issues. I do want to say the governor and I are very proud of hiring 336 new state troopers during our administration. That's a record. We have new um, uh, training programs going on for state police at the State Police Academy right now. Um, we put more state troopers to work than uh, past administrations, and we have used um, American rescue dollars and state dollars. Um, uh, we provided a historic amount of resources to communities to put more police on the streets. Are there hiring challenges? Yes, there's hir- there are hiring challenges in every every sector of our economy, including law enforcement. Well, that is 100% correct. I, Lieutenant Governor Susan Beiswitz, I appreciate your time, your candidness, um, your, your straightforwardness in, in answering all of these questions, because I think that's more important now than ever before. This is such an important election. NedLamont.com is the website if you want to know more about the campaign or volunteer or contribute. I really do appreciate your time, as always. Lieutenant Governor Susan Bysowitz, uh, best of luck to you guys on November 8th. Thank you so much for having me. I my appreciate pleasure. it. Absolutely my Thanks. pleasure. Lieutenant Governor Susan Bysowitz.